Welcome to the Aerospace Engineering Podcast. My name is Reiner Groh, Research Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and on this podcast I have conversations with aerospace pioneers about new technologies at the cutting edge of aerospace design and research. Special thanks go to my supporters on Patreon, who make this podcast possible. If you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast and would like to support it, then head over to patreon.com forward slash aerospace. There are multiple levels of support, but pledging even a dollar an episode is highly appreciated. Thanks for your support. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Three, two, one, zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh... Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Evangelos Tsimpaloudis is the CEO and co-founder of ICOMAT, a company based in the UK that is developing automated manufacturing equipment for so-called toe-steered composite materials. Fiber-reinforced plastics such as carbon fiber or glass fiber composites hold great promise for high performance and lightweight design, due to their excellent stiffness and strength properties at low material density. Traditional fiber-reinforced plastics are manufactured using straight, unidirectional fibers or with straight fibers woven into a fabric. Generally speaking, a fiber-reinforced composite derives its strength by aligning the fibers with the direction of the dominant load path. The novelty of toe-steered composites is that strips of composite material, so-called fiber toes, are steered along curvilinear paths, such that the fiber direction is not straight, but varies continuously from point to point. This characteristic has benefits in structural design as the reinforcing fibers can now be used to smoothly tailor stiffness and strength throughout the structure. For example, toasted composites can be used to curve the reinforcing fibers around windows in aircraft fuselages in order to improve strength and facilitate net shape manufacturing. So in this episode of the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, Evangelos and I talk about his background as an engineer and entrepreneur, the manufacturing challenge of making defect-free toe-steered composites, the capabilities of ICOMAT's rapid toe-shearing process, the benefits of toe-steering for manufacturing cost and design, and some of the projects ICOMAT is currently working on. Before we delve into the episode, full disclosure on my part, I currently work with ICOMAT on a number of projects and I'm a consultant to the company. But now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Evangelos Tsimpaloudis. Evangelos, welcome to the podcast. Nice to have you, Reiner. So um, let's start off our conversation today with just, you know, introducing yourself, uh, talking a little bit about your background and where you've come from. So just tell me a little bit about what is your background as an engineer? So how did you get into engineering in the first place? And then how did your educational journey look like to then kind of like where you then started your own company? Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so basically I'm from Greece and, and that's where I did my initial studies. Um, so yeah, so basically I joined uh, the National Technical University of Athens um, and you do there uh, a diploma in mechanical engineering. Uh, basically that's, that's a five-year course, it's like an extended master's. And my specialization was in, in manufacturing technologies, so I was interested uh, back then in that. Yeah, so five years there, uh, I think it was when was it, during my third year, 
I did the third year and the fourth year at the same time. So I took a year above and then the fourth year I took a break uh, and I, I focused on canoeing. So I was doing, um, I was an amateur athlete in sprint canoeing. So yeah, I did that and, and then I went back. And then I really was very interested in composites. I wanted to study composites. So, so I looked uh, what opportunities um, existed within Europe. Um, obviously UK was quite high up on the list and I think at the moment when I applied was um, pretty much only Imperial and, and Bristol that were offering an, an MSc course in, in composites um, and, and the Bristol one was um, you know the doctoral training center so it's one year master's three years PhD um, so then I came and visited I visited Imperial I visited Bristol um, and yeah, obviously I saw, you know, the, the breadth and the depth in Bristol and I said, okay, uh, composites is, is happening there. So uh, I chose Bristol and I knew I wanted to, to start my own company from, from the beginning. So I, I wrote that. It's actually quite funny because I wrote it in my cover letter that um, the two aims I had in my PhD first was, um, you know, to contribute to the, um, to the pool of, of technology that, that exists in, in Bristol and in composites. Um, secondary, you know, I was still obsessed with canoeing, so I said, you know, I want to start a company and one day use my own equipment in canoeing. Um, and I kept that in my mind and I think it was, was it during the first year of the PhD or second year of the PhD? At, we started like a, I mean, it was a company, but it was more of like a side project. So it was called Dima Composites. Um, you know, we're building uh, cases for consumer electronics and generally it was, you know, part fabrication with liquid molding. Yeah, and I got my my wish, let's say, came true when like we were approached by a company to do a limited uh, series production for paddles. Uh, so that went quite well. Um, and, you know, I was able to develop my skills. I did a lot of training, a lot of seminars there. Um, we went through two different accelerators. So I, I got quite a lot of skills. Um, and we got, you know, uh, from basic idea to having a product in the market. Um, and then when I was finishing uh, my PhD, I joined uh, a program called iCure, which stands for Innovation to Commercialization of University Research. Uh, so basically, they give you, I think it was 35k, and, and they tell you, okay, you've got three months to spend the money to bring us evidence uh, that if you turn your research into a commercial entity, there will be, you know, interest from the market. So it was quite a lot of money to spend for a PhD student for three months. So yeah, there was lots of traveling involved um, and that went well. Uh, so I think they accepted 30% of the applicants in 20 teams. And then out of the 20, um, we had to present at the end to a roundabout panel and they selected uh, two and they gave us an Innovate UK grant. Um, and that really, you know, was the start of, of iCommand. So, um, I left the previous venture, Nima Composites, uh, and then started iComat. So you started Nima Composites, but you're now the founder and CEO of, of iComat. Um, and basically, iComat make manufacturing equipment for something called toe-steered composites. So we'll get into toe-steering um, in a little bit. So basically, maybe just to start super simple, um, you know, what does a modern like fiber-reinforced composite material actually look like you know so for anyone that doesn't even know what carbon fiber is what is it what does a composite look like yeah so i mean composites are basically they start life as textiles so they're quite similar to our clothes actually so it's you know an array of ultra strong fibers um 
and then what you do is, is you take that fabric and you embed it into what we say a polymer matrix which is really like a glue holding the fibers together um, so once you combine these two materials together you get some pretty unique properties um, the peculiarity of these materials is that they are only strong in the direction of the fibers and that's what we call you know an anisotropic material so so the way we design and manufacture today is, is by stacking layers of straight fibers at different orientations and this gives you roughly the same strength in the main directions. Um, and that's where fiber steering comes into play because you know a structure is never loaded the same in the main directions so, so more often than not um, you end up placing more material than you need um, and this results in heavier components, more cost. Uh, so, so with fiber steering it gives you really control to change the orientation of the fibers and reinforce a component only where it is needed. Uh, and this allows you to give, uh, you know, to get structures which are lighter and perform better, but at the same time require less raw material, which is one of the primary cost drivers in composites. Uh, so you can reduce the, the production cost, um, which is great. Uh, and there are many studies which have proven the benefits. Uh, the bottleneck always was that, you know, you couldn't really manufacture them without defects. It was it was really difficult. Um, so yeah, uh, and that has been, I would say, my focus for seven years now. So right, yeah. right. So I guess so. We've we've got the kind of just to recap what, what you just said. We've got the composite the composite material, which is basically just a resin holding together a bunch of fibers, but they're all running in a straight line. And so you have to take individual layers, stack them on top of each other. All the fibers in each layer point in different directions. And then now what you're doing is you're taking it one level further. You're saying, okay, we don't, we're not just going to restrict ourselves to a single direction in a specific layer. We're actually going to steer those fibers so that they, they go along curvilinear paths. Um, and so the first thing is, of course, the first question is, okay, how, how do you actually manufacture these? So I, I can imagine having kind of like a fabric that is, again, fibers hold together by resin, and I'm just going to place it down and all the fibers run in one direction. But now if I want to steer those fibers, how is that done? Um, could you just talk a little bit about kind of many, some of the manufacturing challenges that exist in terms of manufacturing these toe-steered composites? Yes. So, I mean, th there are a couple of methods that, are, are being used today so one of them for example which is you know it's pretty good is, is um, called 3d printing uh, where basically again there are many ways you can do 3d printing the simplest one is you've got a nozzle and um, you've got an extrusion made out of you know fibers and resin um, and there are challenges associated with that uh, in general the, the problem with 3d printing was like they could never achieve the mechanical properties of you know traditional composites uh, which are cured in autoclave ovens etc etc um, and they're slow so you're you're adding a very small filament um, you know they, they could be i don't know one millimeter in diameter or three four millimeter in diameter um, so that's one way um, the more you know industrial way of doing fiber steering today is with uh, what are called you know automated fiber placement systems and to simplify what these things are is, I would say, you know, in their simplest form, they're a robotic end effector um, and effectively the tape laying machines. So, so you've got many different creels or bobbins of material um, and you've got a, a head that has a roller and can lay them on the surface of a mold. Um, that's, that's their essence. Uh, and they come in all forms 
uh, and shapes like you could have them with very wide tapes very small tapes you know multiple bobbins in one head um, they could lay different types of uh, composite material so what we call you know pre-impregnated tapes dry fiber tapes thermoplastic tapes etc so what these machines do to fiber steer is they rotate the placement head so you've got the machine which runs in a straight line and then you rotate the head and you can steer but, but what this does is you're actually bending the tapes um, so when you bend the tapes this actually buckles the tape and creates a resin gap and, and fiber misalignments uh, so it leads to all sorts of defects and the problem is it's very difficult to predict these defects as well because they're localized um, yeah so that's a massive challenge um, and that's where we come in. That, that these are all the problems that you know we try to solve uh, for many years now. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the way that I always try to kind of like picture in my head is, you know, there used to be these tipex um, mice that you would use, you know, to tipex something out on a piece of paper, and that's basically like a tape of of tipex that you put down on an A4 piece of paper. And if you start to try to, you know, curve it as you roll it along, you do get a curved path. And if you do it at a really, really tight radius, you will start to see that the inside, you know, starts to wrinkle and the outside of the tape wants to kind of lift off um, the paper. And I guess this is the problem with this classic uh, automated fiber placement technology that as you as you bend a toe of, of carbon fiber, you get some of these process-induced uh, defects. So now, as you've just said, this is where kind of your company, ICOMAT, comes in. So could you maybe re relate, you know, s some of the, the background history of the particular process that you're basically working on um, at the moment, the continuous toe-sharing process? So how did this process come about, and how are you guys now commercializing it? Yes, I think the origins of the process go, you know, way long, probably 10 years ago. Um, and the whole, you know... The research question was created by Kevin Potter and, and Paul Weaver at the University of Bristol when they started to look at, um, you know, curvilinear fiber paths and uh, fiber steering. Um, and, and they, you know, tried uh, the current methods. Uh, and I think it was back then when they, um, Eric joined the team. So Eric Kim, he joined as a postdoc um, and he was the one who developed the first concept of uh, um, continuous toe shearing um, and then made prototypes uh, proving the concept and the results were pretty satisfying um, one of the criticisms always of, of the process was that it was slow because um, at the beginning it was basically only compatible with um, what we call the semi-preg so you had one bobbin with dry material and one bobbin with resin tape and you had to impregnate them fully uh, to be able to um, to, to place the material um, and that's when when I joined at uh, the end of 2014 so I did my master thesis on, on this um, and then I did my PhD uh, and what basically I was looking is okay how can we make the, the process more reliable faster improve the quality um, and basically yeah so I changed completely the, the tape fit system um, so it was not longer no longer relying on your shear deformation, uh, but on other things which I cannot say. Um, and, and the result was that now the process was compatible with prepreg tapes, and we achieved excellent quality. Um, and the process was was much much faster. Um, so following that, once we set up Icomat, we did more work on, on the head. 
so I would say another one and a half years of R&D. And we recently, you know, filed a patent on the on the new system. Um, and now we've totally rebranded it. We called it uh, a rapid um, toe or tape shearing, depending on the head. Uh, it's much, much faster. Uh, and compared to um, what we hear from institutes in the UK, is significantly faster than AFP during steering. Um, so yes, that's, I would say, the whole history of the process. It's many, many years of research. And ICOMAT was, was set up. We started the process of setting up ICOMAT in 2018, but was really only an entity in 2019. Uh, right. I mean, there's actually a, a very neat kind of way that the, the, the process, you know, in its original form and now also in the form that you've implemented it, how it relates to something very fundamental that everyone learns in engineering mechanics, that if you if you have a very long beam, for example, and, you know, every kind of engineer in first year learns about beam bending, place a load on a beam and it, and it bends in a, in, in a radius of curvature, there's actually two ways you, you can bend something or you can change direction. You can, you can bend something or then there's another aspect that comes into it, which is, is a, a shearing. So in the case of, of beam bending, there's classic, just curvature bending, and then there's, there's through thickness shearing. And this is actually a, quite a good analogy what's going on here, that in the classic AFP process, you just have the pure bending form. And in this case, you're now actually taking material and you're, you're shearing it. And by shearing it, you're causing a change in direction. And by doing this continuously again and again and again, so like clasping, shearing, clasping, shearing, you're, you're small, like continuously changing direction, which is, I think, it's quite a unique and, and neat way of, of, of going about changing direction in a, in a carbon fiber tape. Exactly. I mean, still easier said than done because shearing uh, carbon tapes is not easy. So and there's a lot of know-how and IP that we, we developed around that area. Uh, but yeah, I think now uh, we've got it uh, to, to a pretty, you know, you know, it's fast, it's reliable, and, and we've got um, a, a large project funded by the ATI, uh, you know, where we've developed a whole team in ICOMAT to focus purely on that and, and take the process to its limits uh, in terms of speed and reliability. Yeah. So could you perhaps give some examples of, so you've just mentioned a project with the ATI, but could you perhaps give, you know, some examples of projects that you've worked on uh, in the past, or, or maybe if you can talk about current projects, where CTS is, is being used. So for, for example, in my case, I'm a structural engineer and I'm, I'm really interested in using uh, toe steering and specifically the, the continuous toe shearing process to basically lightweight aerospace structures, be they fuselages, rocket structures, whatever. Um, so there's clearly kind of a structural benefit to steering toes, um, having kind of multi-variable angle, variable stiffness composites. But then there's probably also a kind of like manufacturing benefit. So could you perhaps, you know, give an example where you've uh, used CTS, kind of where there's a manufacturing benefit, maybe where there's a structural benefit, and maybe perhaps where it all comes together and you have a benefit in both cases? Yeah, I think in most cases, it's, you're looking at several benefits. But I think if I could summarize, I would, you know, maybe in four areas. Uh, so, so, I mean, you get a lot of benefits in purely from the structural side of things. And I think there most of the load cases are around uh, buckling, post-buckling, purely because it gives you a much better way of controlling how the load travels to the structure. So, for example, there are some, there is a paper out there which have demonstrated that with toe shearing you can reduce the weight of a wing skin by 40%, purely because you can steer between the stiffeners and basically make the stiffeners work much harder. So you're redistributing the load. 
Um, then in, in components where you have uh, you know large holes or a lot of stress concentrations, such as, uh, for example, the lower wing skin of an aircraft, um, I guess yeah, you know that better than anyone else in, in this project we're collaborating. We've achieved, I think it was three times, um, um, the load-to-weight uh, uh, ratio uh, compared to quasi-tropic laminate. Uh, so that's, you know, the structural side of things. Then you've got uh, several benefits on, on the aeroelastic side of things, if we're talking about wings and airfoils. Um, and the concept there is that, basically by steering the fibers, A, you can change the stiffness of the airfoil at any given point and change the way it deflects, but also you can to clever things like what is called the bent twist coupling. So, for example, as you start loading the airfoil more by flying faster uh, and it starts to deflect, you can program the structure so that it will also twist. Now, what this does is it keeps the same angle of attack at higher speeds and this means uh, you reduce a lot of the drag. Uh, so you get better flight performance, you burn less fuel. Um, a third area is to use one of the unique features of, of, um, of RTS, rapid toe searing, uh, which is that as you sear it, the thickness increases and the width reduces. Um, and again, probably you know better than anyone in the ESA uh, project we've got where we can use this to locally stiffen up um, certain areas of the structure and get better performance without adding pad-ups or without adding extra layers. So the same number of layers, you can now have control over the thickness uh, at any given point, pretty much. Um, and the last area is, um, you know, shape complexity and forming. Um, a lot of composites today still starts life as a flat sheet, um, and there is, you know, where we come in and basically pre-sear uh, a tape or pre-sear the areas of the preform, so that once you you form it or when you stamp it to the 3D shape you have control over how the fibers uh, will end up in the final shape. And we've done some you know, pretty challenging demonstrators, primarily you know, for things like uh, a B-pillar for an automotive structure, um, where we formed you know, a thick multi-stack um, 090 where the zero fibers were steered with no defects at all. And we tried the same thing with you know, straight fiber laminate where the preform was cut using a ply cutter um, and it was full of bridging and, and wrinkling everywhere. So I think it, it is a, a much more powerful way to design and manufacture using composites. But at the same time, what we do recognize as ICOMAT is that, you know, composites are challenging the, the way they are today. Uh, we're adding a level of complexity uh, and it's all about, you know, how can you develop the tools to tackle these, uh, these challenges? Yeah, definitely. The complexity is definitely one level further up than, let's say, if you just have a straight fiber composite. But at the very same time, I always like to refer to kind of trees, right? So tree or wood, the material um, is basically a cellulose fiber in a cellulose resin. And what the tree does, it naturally has the fibers going from trunk into branch. And if there is a, a defect in the trunk, for example, a, a wood knot, the, the cellulose fibers go around the wood knot, right? They don't just end and stop right where the where the knot um, starts. So basically this is kind of replicating this, is replicating the natural process of laying down um, fiber reinforced material essentially, where rather than just restricting yourself to, to straight fibers, 
you can actually just you know do the do what nature does and just start curving the fibers going around holes going around defects so that um, you get the maximum performance out of your component i think you summarize it perfectly there and, and that is pretty much the mission statement of icomat so so our mission is to unlock the performance of composites to enable innovation so so we're using exactly the same material commercial off the shelf material as today but we're employing it you know at its most efficient form so you're placing the fibers at the correct orientation exactly where they need to be uh, and that really un- unlocks a lot of performance and, and that's what we've seen we're not talking about a five percent improvement it's double digits uh, at the least uh, for most cases yeah. great so just kind of like looking into into the future so you've kind of talked about this a little bit already but um, what is on the kind of like the near-term roadmap for ICOMAT? Is it mainly just about, you know, looking at new projects or maybe scaling up, you know, the speed, as, as you mentioned previously? What is it that you're really focusing on at the moment and what is on, on your kind of near-term uh, roadmap? Technology-wise, I mean, I mean, we've already demonstrated that um, it, it does what it says on the team. It can achieve excellent steering performance at pretty much any steering radio we want. We've gone as low as 30 millimeters steering radius. Um, so our core focus now is uh, improve the speed um, and, and make sure that it has bulletproof reliability. Uh, and again, because it's a tape laying system, you don't have uh, you know, a multitude of grills and a lot of mechanical components. It's a single grill, so it's a much more stable platform to start with. Um, and that's our focus. Uh, we're still, you know, I'd say we have completed successfully um, the, the first phase of the business plan, which was to set up pilot projects. So we've now got seven projects. Um, most of them are contracts, but some of them are grant funded as well. Um, and yeah, obviously we, we need to, to execute these and we're starting to get results from this uh, project, which are really, really promising. Um, we have our first machine deployment. Um, we still have an iron on the details, but we expect it will be in Q3, Q4 next year, and that's also quite important. So we've, uh, we want to partner with um, certain R&D institutes which can complement our capabilities because a lot of the OEMs, what they want is, okay, interesting technology, we do a simulation study, they see the benefits, then we do uh, a quick design, build and test activity uh, and we validate the benefits. But then what they want is, is a testing program. Uh, and ICOMAT does not have this capability. Um, so, so that's where we need to partner uh, with the R&D centers to really complement our capability. And also, we work closely with you know, yourself and, and the university on, on the design side. Um, we also have a strong partnership with um, you know, the MSC software, uh, where they're developing um, commercial uh, design and simulation tools um, on, on structural analysis using fiber steering um, and they want to make you know optimizing a component very easy uh, which I believe is crucial we work with Daptablate which does the same thing for aeroelasticity and aeroelastic optimization um, so I think the next year is is really for us what we're trying to build is, is the whole ecosystem uh, and, and partner with uh, the people that can provide these capabilities that are needed to deploy um, our technology in the industry. Um, and we keep the focus, uh, as I said, on the manufacturing and building the best machine possible uh, for this job. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially on the 
kind of there's a very strong kind of focus i think in the next couple of years in, in being able to combine the manufacturing side where you're basically kind of like a leader with the design capabilities and what you said previously about msc software now kind of investing in this area i think is a very you know crucial first step in, in the direction that if this technology is going to be taking off in the next couple of years you basically need lots and lots of different players in in the kind of ecosystem coming together to basically yeah provide the capabilities on the manufacturing and the design side for kind of a new generation of composite materials or composite structures, essentially. Um, so as a kind of closing question, um, where should our listeners go to find more about ICOMAT to stay up to date with everything um, that you guys are doing? So, yeah, so you can go on our website. So it's uh, icomat.co.uk. We have a news page, uh, but I think um, probably the best place, place would be our, our LinkedIn page. So it's Icom at Bristol, um, and we publish at least you know once a week uh, on, on the projects. I think the the next three months are going to be quite interesting because uh, we're reaching a stage where a lot of our R and D projects, you know, we're actually building or testing the components. So there's a lot of you know fancy pictures and videos coming in. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I absolutely encourage all our listeners to, you know, go, go to your webpage, but even, you know, maybe all, even just composite designers, structural engineers, people that know what composites look like and they've never heard of toasterium before. I mean, I can attest I was once in that place actually as a master's student when the first time I saw a toasted uh, composite material and it, I just thought, Jesus Christ, I've, I've, I've never imagined this before. So it's, it's definitely something that is to some degree kind of opens your horizon. So I absolutely encourage all our listeners to check out your webpage. Uh, Evangelos, Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for your time. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you very much as well, Reiner. It was a pleasure. If you would like to learn more about ICOMAT, then head over to aerospaceengineeringblog.com forward slash podcast, where you will find show notes about everything we discussed in today's episode. And if you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, then there are a number of ways you can support it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're tuning in, you can share it on social media with your friends and family, or you can support the podcast directly on Patreon. And with that, thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.